you always need this one crazy uh, software engineer to start it all. Eh? Well, it has a it has a Linux philosophy, right? Uh, small parts, every part should do one thing and one thing good. Um, you do a bit more plumbing, but you can also exactly see what's going on, right? There's no magic formula here that happens under the hood. So the moment you start with a framework, it has a lot of value and a lot of benefits, but you definitely go against these initial ideas why you chose Go. So it's also what is accepted in a certain community uh, to, to use. Easy over simple. And with GoCo, we generally try to prefer simple. I like the simplicity of Go, like the light lightweightness of it. Golang is so easy to learn because it's so uh, uh, uncomplicated. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you, peeking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Ball.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Hey, welcome back to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. Glad you're back with us uh, today again. Yeah, we have uh, again an interesting topic. Actually, we're kind of repeating the uh, topic of like three years ago. Uh, and I'm curious what, uh, what the state uh, is now. So, uh, yeah, Peter, you, do, you already dove into it a little. Peter Paul, you, you stole my intro. <laughs> so indeed, we are going back three years in time. We, we published episode number three about Go. And back then, we noted down when you listen to the stories of our two enthusiastic guests the, who shared a story about, uh, about, about Go, you might even believe Go is the future. So now is the future, three years later. So yeah, check if this prediction is, uh, is true and find out with the guests of the show. And we have five of them. So uh, the number of guests is at least uh, growing. So Peter Paul, time to introduce <laughs> them and, uh, and find out. Yeah, and I think that uh, at least looking at the Ball.com perspective, that not only the number of guests for the podcast has grown, but also the number of teams uh, working with, uh, with Go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's also explore that a little. Uh, yeah, today we have with us uh, uh, Albert Brandt, who is a consultant at uh, Xavier, software engineer, Go trainer. So, yeah, welcome. Yeah, thank you for being here. Great you, you could join us. And we have uh, Patrick Akiel who's also a consultant software engineer, also trained in, in uh, Go and a podcast host. So uh, yeah, awesome to have a podcast host on our show as well. Welcome. Thank you. Awesome to be here as guest and I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, we are too. And then we have uh, Kevin van der Broek, software engineer at, uh, at Ball.com. And uh, yeah, good uh, that you're here with us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to look uh, into the future as well again. Yeah, let's do that. And then we have uh, Hannes de Jager, software engineer at Ball.com also. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, good to be here. And then uh, last but not least, Koos van Bekerom, also software engineer at Ball.com. So welcome to all of you. Thank you. Yeah, so um, today we are going to talk about several topics. Huh? Uh, let's uh, for us, looking way back, but uh, also introducing Go into uh, in an organization as a as a program language, because although it's the future, I think that uh, still a lot of places can benefit from uh, using Go over other languages. Uh, I thought, uh, yeah, that you, uh, Albert, had uh, some interesting insights uh, to share on that one. Um, yeah. So as a software consultant, uh, I, I've um, yeah. Well, I, I 
often visit several clients um, and uh, they they have uh, yeah different choices uh, to make uh, something that i try to uh, uh, give them uh, some some uh, uh, some guidance in um, and for instance a choice for uh, for go uh, is is part of uh, a bigger uh, program uh, often um, um, currently, I'm uh, at, uh, at at Adavinta, which is actually uh, the the e-classifieds group, and that's actually eBay. Um, for for people who are absolutely unfamiliar with this, uh, this is uh, uh, the um, uh, the the well, the more the the uh, seller side from uh, from Marktplatz uh, and other uh, similar sites like uh, Tweedehands. And um, Adavinta created a advertisement platform. Um, they are uh, well, pretty uh, well. They have been doing this for a long time. Um, so if uh, if you know, Markplatz was uh, at some point uh, uh, bought by uh, eBay, and currently uh, the Adavinta company uh, uh, bought uh, the uh, advertisement part of it. So that's how how it came to be. But um, yeah, so. Uh, Markplatz itself has been built mainly with Java, uh, and the Java stack has been there for well yeah, more than ten years. And um, the uh, advertisement part of uh, the uh, of this platform needed to be uh, yeah well, revamped. One of the things that they wanted to do was uh, have move towards a microservice architecture. This, of course, was uh, five years back was uh, pretty hyped. But also the the choices needed to be made again. Is Java still the 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 framework for us that we want? Uh, the the platform for us that we that we want to run our services on. Uh, so they uh, they they actually uh, well we gave this some uh, some some long and hard thoughts. So that's of course always good to do. Uh, and I talked to uh, a couple of uh, of the engineers that uh, that have uh, were there uh, around that time. So that's always an interesting one. Uh, I haven't been uh, <laughs> at Adavinta for uh, for that long, uh, but some of the advantages that they saw was uh, GoLang offers, of course, uh, a compiled binary um, that uh, that just runs. It's just one binary. You can uh, package it, package it uh, in a, in a container. Um, and the containers are really small. So, and when I mean really small, um, uh, if you look at the average size of a Java, a Java Docker container, well, it's still, you have to do a lot of effort to get it below 200 megabytes. And often it's even bigger. Uh, while, uh, while wrapping Go in a Docker container often reduces to, what is it, 20 megabytes, 10 megabytes, something yeah. like that. Uh, and, and with some tricks you can, even get the Docker layer to be well, just on so small. Yeah, uh, it, it's really a, f uh, a decimating factor for for the amount of uh, uh, storage that you need, and especially with uh, many teams that uh, that work uh, with it uh, and produce artifacts every day, uh, that that really counts. So yes, I understand their choice there, and of course then you have the uh, the uh, the the uh, yeah, uh, all the benefits of, of Go, Man, many benefits, of course, the quick compile time and quick test time, uh, stuff like uh, formatting, uh, code formatting out of the box uh, using Go format, 
Uh, and yeah, uh, really helpful. Um, it's readable. Um, I'm not saying that Java isn't readable, but there, yeah, there's there's some, yeah, I would say uh, th there's th there's some differences there. Uh, and I would mainly say that uh, Go has a focus on being, uh, yeah, on being boring, <laughs> on being yeah. understandable, uh, easily readable, and um, yeah, tries to abstract at the right level. Of course, that comes with some costs. Um, so sometimes you're reading something and you think, oh, it works like this, but then it doesn't work like that um, because it just looked too simple. But yeah, uh, I think that uh, those cases are, uh, are, are yeah, only a few. Um, one thing that they had was uh, they, they started with uh, uh, Apache Thrift uh, as a communication system between their microservices. So they needed uh, to have a Thrift integration and that was there. Uh, even five years back, and uh, of course all the other stuff uh, like uh, well support uh, for uh, for for IDEs. And luckily, uh, five years ago there was a, a decent IntelliJ plugin uh, already out there, so they uh, they could hop on. But nowadays, uh, with GoLand, uh, the JetBrains IntelliJ uh, um, um, uh, IDE, it's it's excellent support. But even if you just have VS Code uh, with the Go plugin, that's uh, that's still excellent. So those were more or less the uh, the, the the reasons why uh, why they uh, rewrote uh, stuff uh, rewrote stuff. Uh, actually, uh, there was just one uh, uh, software engineer that that simply said, "Okay, I'm now going to write one microservice, rewrite one side, uh, <laughs> service uh, into uh, 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 using Go, and show all the benefits that you can get from it." Uh, and he proved that Go really was uh, so much easier uh, in terms of uh, speed that you could write it, uh, readability, uh, and setting it up. You so always but, need this. You always need this one crazy uh, software engineer to start it all. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that uh, goes for another client that I was uh, worked at. Um, yeah, Patrick. Could, Patrick uh, also worked at, there. Um, uh, and uh, there were more consultants of CBA there that uh, that that uh, had to make the choice: Do we want to write our platform in? Uh, yeah, I think that the choice was: Do we need to write it in uh, Node.js or, or in Go? And they chose Go because of the uh, benefits of having strong typed language out of the box, yeah. uh, and they also had the benefit of being on uh, Google Cloud, uh, Google Cloud Platform. Uh, and th those were yeah really uh, convincing reasons uh, to uh, to use Go, uh, and that also worked out fine. So that it's, uh, also was a success story. Awesome. Hey, Hannes, and I think that like, uh, what was it? Nine months ago, six months ago, you also started in a new team and there also we made a decision on basically what programming use, uh, 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 which program language to use. And uh, yeah, it turned also out to be go. Are the, are the, 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 the reasons, the rationales behind the, the choice similar or are they different? Yeah, so actually, Peter Paul at that stage uh, was 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 my manager for for that one, and I I was the crazy software engineer saying, oh, you know that I'm gonna write it and go, right? <laughs> and and people was was nervous about that because what about the recruitment of you know go engineers? Uh, the reasons there, yeah, I guess uh, I like the simplicity of go, I like the li lightweightness of it. 
and uh, for our purposes, things that we we wanted to do, we we didn't need the the Java ecosystem. So I think that that's where where the JVM is very strong. It's got a lot of standards and a lot of you know it's got a big ecosystem with lots of standard things to use. But for our purposes, we we just wanted to you know basically build the ETL pipeline and munch a bunch of data and uh, go with the lightweightness and performance that it gives us is sort of the reasons that we chose it. So and then in terms of the, the recruitment day, I can perhaps just also add that, yes, we were concerned about that, but it was it was interesting in that team because no one really there was recruited. Um, everyone sort of, well, except for a business analyst now, but uh, everyone was like, oh, we heard about this GOAT. Well, this team that started now, I would, I would be the one saying, oh, but the caveat didn't go. And then people would be all excited about that. And then yeah, we filled the team quite quite fast, actually. Did you did you uh, then hire specific uh, specifically for Go or? Uh... No, no. I, I I think that's also perhaps sometimes the the problem why why we can't find people. So if we are specifically for Go or specifically for and I mean we mentioned in in, in the Xavier podcast the other day, we should write we should you know recruit for good software engineers rather than Go engineers or JVM engineers, and you should look at the problem space to choose your technology right. So mm -hmm. that's also a fine line because some people just don't like doing Go. So, <laughs> which is fair enough. <clears throat> which is fair. So guys, enough. it's actually yeah, it's pretty interesting. You guys uh, about the decision being made. Unless you basically chose it as an engineer, and then Albert, you shared that there was one engineer who just said, "I'm gonna do it." But this decision was it mostly all engineers that decided, or has there been management involved? Uh, well, if I can go first, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, often, of course, uh, some some uh, management is involved, especially uh, looking at uh, recruitment. That's a that's a biggie um, for 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 many people and for many organizations. You you don't want to be that organization that chooses a, a niche language that then fails uh, to attract people. But I think that uh, um, well, Golang has luckily the uh, yeah. Uh, the, the name of of being an attractive language. Uh, it it uh, if you simply say well, we're writing our services in Go, then nobody says, "Wow, uh, what a strange choice." So they all. Well, I think that most uh, most people agree that uh, that Go has uh, several benefits um, uh, and, and and is quite modern. Uh, I I have to meet the person who says, "No, I'm not going to work with Go because it doesn't contain generics or or." Or currently, <laughs> of course. Currently, yeah. it does. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it does. But uh, yeah, <laughs> a couple of years back, no. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I guess when I joined three and a half years ago, uh, it was sort of a bit slower, I guess, because when I, I joined as a as a Go engineer, and at that stage, Paul was saying, "Yeah, we struggled to find Go engineers." But I think in three years, a lot have changed. Um, there's actually quite some people that actually want to do it. So yeah, I, I've been involved in the as like like in the more managerial uh, position when we had the first uh, Go team, which was outside of the let's say the platforms or the software for software uh, or for developer space. So the first say functional team working on it, and basically back then we had like a few uh, 
things from the from a management side. So so you had uh, to prepare your own pipelines because we didn't have pipelines for them yet. You had to uh, connect to the logging metrics, whatever alerting platform, uh, create stuff for that because we wanted to keep that centralized. Yeah, and we had some concerns about hiring, but uh, yeah, the the one crazy engineer back then said, yeah, we will manage that. And yeah, we did, but with ups and downs, to be honest. And I think that re things really have improved there, especially uh, after we hired Hannes. Not sure if that's because of Hannes, but also because of the point in time. Uh, that after that, uh, I think that with the growth of popularity of Go, it also has become uh, easier. And I think that also uh, 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 a cloud platform like Google, which is basically built for a larger part in Go, really also facilitates this and it kind of uh, strengthened uh, the acceleration of uh, spreading go to to be honest there yeah. Yeah. so you yeah. all but you didn't really find any people that were opposed to the decision then it was quite easy sailing for you guys uh yeah well i guess that uh, some some people had their thoughts but uh it's also if you get the opportunity to uh, to learn something new, then, then most people won't directly say no. Uh, it's only when they see that, well, yeah, there's of course always people who are, who are saying that uh, uh, in the back in the days everything was better, but uh, um, I guess that, uh, that that Go is pretty easy to learn. Um, it's there. There's no really steep complexity that you have to uh, understand first uh -huh. and and that helps a lot uh, with the acceptance uh, of uh, just choosing go so yeah go has been well used in in, in many production uh, sites and uh, has, a, has a good track record of course yeah if you google for it there 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 certainly you can find people who are really opposed to to the abstractions of go but uh, but I think that that's just a minority, uh, and most people can really you know, write code quickly um, and, and understand the, the the boringness of it, the reason why it's boring, uh, uh, and and are actually happy with it. Uh, so yeah, okay. So sometimes I miss a ternary operator, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it, it's 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 fine. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you can learn. Uh, you can teach other people. Uh, so, so for for most people, uh, one of the things that 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 pops out uh, uh, that really sticks out is, for instance, error error handling. Uh, most people who are coming from Java, they they are throwing exceptions exceptions yep. everywhere and catching them. Yeah. Uh, and then doing this all by hand, they are they are constantly uh, arguing about uh, shouldn't this be easier in Go? But the fact that mm -hmm. It's so lightweight, and and that, that you have to do something about it uh, makes it makes it again really boring. It's like you are in this service, handle it here. Uh, if you're not doing this, then you're doing something wrong, and that's well again part of the simplicity of uh, of Go. Yeah, especially Can you elaborate a bit, a bit on this on this boring boring stuff, uh, Goos. How is that for you? Uh, uh, I can I can't imagine that you want to work on on stuff that's boring, right? So for me, it's a bit. Contradiction. <laughs> Can you explain how? What? What? Did, oh, you're on mute. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> my point there is that um, the code should be boring because the thing that should be interesting is your feature, right? Like, if the only interesting part about your feature is the way that it's written, <laughs> but for users it's not interesting, then what are you doing it for? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess that's my opinion. If that if that answers the question. 
Uh, but about the errors, uh, in the beginning I was a bit annoyed by it, but then afterwards I realized runtime errors in, in the JVM are way more annoying <laughs> than having to handle errors everywhere. Right. Uh, and now that I've got, uh, I've been writing Go for almost two years now and I've gotten so used to it that I don't really want to go back to throwing errors. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, also Go Go handling uh, has had some thought. Uh, there, there are some wrapping uh, improvements uh, made in the last uh, few uh, few years, and that's already imp uh, yeah improving. And of course, yeah, if you really want to, you can use some of the uh, ecosystem libraries to uh, to make it a little bit less annoying. Uh, but but then still, I, I had the f I I get the feeling that um, people really try to be as close to it be writing idiomatic Go. Uh, as possible, so yeah, I'm. I'm I wouldn't say that you uh, need the ecosystem. You absolutely need the ecosystem for for larger parts. But uh, for your day to day go, uh, if you can just write out whatever you uh, whatever you need, then please don't use extra libraries to make stuff yeah. fancier. Uh, yeah. th that's really uh, something that that is. Uh, I think. I haven't seen that in other languages. I always, you always see some people trying to do it in. Let's say that you have a node node developer that that um, yeah uh, has some way of of, of using uh, async await. Then they try to do this similarly uh, in Go. And yeah, people in in Go in the Go, Go, Go community simply say no, don't do that. Don't don't add, mm -hmm. don't add those extra libraries. Just uh, just use the just use the standard. Uh, really, try to really focus. Yeah. yeah, really a focus on simplicity in the Go community. I, I wonder if you could say that it's a little bit like a cult, you know, it's like Apple fans, <laughs> Go fans a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> everyone that, that uh, sort of, you know, is passionate about Go also gears a bit more towards the simplicity side of things. You know, just keep it simple. Don't need all the dependencies. If it's, if it's only three lines of code, write it yourself kind of thing. And I, I guess if we come back a little bit to, to what you mentioned about introducing an organization, Peter Paul, you mentioned in, in Volpen.com we didn't have the logging and all, all the sort of plumbing those days for services and Go. I, I think that's oftentimes for, for Go people, that's not a problem because we like sort of writing stuff ourselves. Yeah, and way back then we had to write all these uh, plumbing things like the logging and uh, in integration into Prometheus, whereas in the JVM world in, in Ball, you know, everything was sort of sorted with you with the Axel framework that, what, that we already have. So I guess if, if we're talking about introducing Go and these kind of things, that's sort of one of the things that you have to keep in mind is, you know, you're going to have to do a lot of manual work there, right? Exactly. Hey, and, and what does that mean? Eh? Because you also state, for example, Hannes, that, that we're also basically onboarding, uh, let's say, software engineers that mainly produce Java before into these teams. But it, this requires like a different mindset because some of the patterns that they were used to, you don't want them to repeat here because otherwise they're going to use Java. Uh, so you go in the, in the Java way eh? and they will, that's just like uh, you could use Scala or Kotlin, but still write stuff in the Java way, and then it becomes like, yeah, what's the the point of using yeah. this language anyway? So what? But so we have to in the in the mentoring, in the onboarding of these people, we have to get their their mindset shifted. How, how yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, you have to sort of learn the idiomatic Go ways. And I think Go there as a as a nice advantage, and perhaps that's also why it's why it's. Uh, 
people just do it the right way is one it's very simple so you don't you don't have to teach a hundred thousand things it's just you know the language is only that's that small or that big and then the other thing is there's actually a very good community documentation out there so if you do the standard go website stuff and perhaps one of the other recommended things then you pretty much have it all i mean you could you don't need a lot of books and everything else then on it uh, so if you've done little standard reading then you're there it combines as well like the, the basic thing and onboarding because if you within the java community we're always writing while do loops or that kind of thing to because that's your pattern you can't do it in go because there's no while there's no while do there's there's only a for yeah. loop right so you are nudged into the right direction and i think that also shows the the, the boringness about a page you can't write fancy while constructions because there is no while construct. You don't you can't write have the, you, don't have you just don't have it. Uh, yeah, so that yeah. makes it basic, that makes it boring. Uh, but you're very happy if you're reviewing the code. Like the error handling as well. If somebody doesn't do error handling, I know because it sticks out like a sore thumb and I don't see it sticking out. So it's an easy comment to see. Uh, yeah. yeah. And if you write Jago, right, the Java Go-esque style, I think it's fine in the beginning. There's a, You have to right, ramp up to it and we, well, at least I haven't seen anybody shouting down, like, don't write code like this, because the Go code that you, by default, write is, it's good, it, it works, it's basic, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you, you named that Jago, so that's really a term? In, yeah, uh, yeah, Java, Go, Yago, you have PyGo, uh, Python Go, right? That's Go, good. I, I haven't seen Go, Go, Kotlin, Go, Go, but... Go. <laughs> Go, Go. Maybe Chavis has a variant of that. But, but I also hear hear the warning like uh, okay, so it's 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 easy to uh, to make the switch eh, from Java to Go or from uh, any other language to Go. But once you use you, you start using Go, you actually don't want to go back, right? Is that uh, that's what I hear you saying? Also, what what Goes mentioned yeah. that uh, yeah, now to using it two years. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, right? We we are the ones that are in this this Go group. Yeah, we really <laughs> like it. I'm really curious, eh, because at some point in time, I made Hollis go back to a Kotlin and Java team eh, after having programmed uh, Go with us. So, uh, yeah, maybe you should share a little about that, Hannes. Was it that yeah. hard or painful experience for you? Or Yes. The team is well, on Go as well right now. <laughs> they, have one, they, have, they have one Go service, at least, which they probably don't like. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm part of the choir, right? So I should just clarify that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely, uh, I I started a new team and uh, I went for Go, so I was obviously missing it. I think that if I can be specific about it, perhaps the things that I did miss is just the lightweightness of it. You know, with with Go, it compiles so fast and the pipelines run run fast because the compiler is just so fast. Where with, with the JVM, you have lots of dependencies and you also have the runtime, of course, so things just aren't that fast. So I got I got really tired of watching the screen while I'm trying mm. to run unit tests or just spinning the up, app up or things like that. So just small little things like that. And uh, yeah, things that you just don't talk about in, in, in Go code. You don't talk about too much formatting and, and these kind of things. Uh, yeah. Or should I use inheritance or not, you know? Yeah. It's really but isn't, oh, simplicity, sorry. I guess, because, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that, Albert, when you were on the project at Nextel, that was actually my first gig as a, a software engineer. 
so I started out with Go as a backend language, as my first kind of organizational language, uh, programming language. And I think the simplicity helped in understanding and getting strong fundamentals because you don't have many variants, right? It's very easy to understand. Um, you do a bit more plumbing, but you can also exactly see what's going on, right? There's no magic formula here that happens under the hood. You can yeah. actually see what's happening. So I think it, because of that, it makes you a better engineer. It gives you stronger fundamentals when starting out. Then when I transitioned, I did Node.js on the back end, and I missed the simplicity. There were all of a sudden variants, and people could do smarter things than me, uh, but I didn't understand it, right? And I don't think smart code is good code anymore. It used yeah. to be code is some artistic thing, and you can be very creative with it. Uh, but as we grow more mature, I think, in our world, we want simplicity. We want understandability, and we want predictive predictability. All the abilities. <laughs> and I think that comes with Go. Yeah. Um, well, just to get back to Hannes. Um, so, of course, you don't have to bolt everything on a Java project. I think that that's also part maybe part yeah. of the culture, right? Uh, so uh, everybody nowadays starts off with Spring Boot, but with Spring Boot, Spring Boot you get in so much uh, layers of um, uh, of abstraction. And yeah, if you look at uh, a stack trace when something goes wrong in your surface, then you can see that there are so many layers uh, beneath it uh, that, that do something. Um, but you don't have to use Spring Boot. So you could have used yep. something else that is that is smarter, smaller. But for some reason, uh, it's sort of not accepted. So it's also what is accepted in a certain community uh, to to use. Uh, I would have. Well, I think it might have been uh, uh, might have been a good idea to well com compare apples and oranges. Uh, not not compare apples and oranges. Compare apples with apples. But I, I almost think that almost every project is comparing apples to oranges when they switch over to yeah. to GoLang, uh, because yeah, it's it's because of this simplicity. Is because of these things that you are that you don't start with um, that that make it uh, such a hard comparison. Um, but, yeah. I do agree with that because yeah, a lot of that would be uh, the non-simplicity of the Spring framework, perhaps, and it's not really the JVM or Kotlin code. Because actually, I should correct myself. I didn't start a Go service in that team. We started a very lightweight Kotlin service. Uh, mm. I was too excited about it now, it seems. But, uh, <laughs> um, and I I, remember, I forget now the, the name of the framework. Perhaps we could uh, put it HTTP in the chat. HTTP 4K, uh, on the ah, Yeah, that's the one. So HTTP 4K is a very minimalistic uh, Kotlin framework, actually. Feels a little bit like Go almost in that sense because you know the simplicity and all that, and that actually really was a nice experience, uh, and it's 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 just quite a stark contrast uh, to Spring Boot. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. Good point. I don't know why I remember this, but I recall reading some document from your team, Hannes, where you guys had a, a vote within the team to choose the framework, and then the HTTP uh, framework won. Uh, how how was that for you guys? Because you were of course not winning the Go argument there. Yeah, so I, 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 I was actually surprised. I, I never thought Go would actually go in that team. So I was never had high expectations, but I was actually quite surprised how, how many of the people actually wanted to go, do Go. Um, yeah, so in the end, the HP 4K won, won uh, because it was Scotland, you know, and the team was Scotland and all that. But it sort of felt like Go because, yeah, the simplicity of it. It's really a nice framework to actually check out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
So, hey, uh, and with starting uh, in a Go project or something like that, we have to, I don't know, generate stuff or use some kind of framework still because yeah, so, some of the boilerplate stuff still has to be, be done. So how do you go about that? What, what are your approaches for, for these things? Yeah, so I guess that's where we can talk about Torque. Who wants to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I can say some stuff about Torque. Um, yeah, to start off, a lot of the stuff that you get with Spring Boot, like uh, JSON marshallers and stuff, is standard library in Go. So you can already write your whole web server that with, with JSON payloads and everything without going out of the standard library. Of course, any language can do that, but here it's really simple and small. Um, but uh, we actually, all three of us, uh, Bolt.com engineers and a couple of other guys, started uh, Torque as an initiative internally in uh, Bolt.com to um, give Go teams a kind of a toolkit to uh, yeah, get started with apps and make sure metrics are simple, logging is simple. Um, they get some default landing pages, stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, we do the plumbing, right? So yeah, I think a good example is sending HTTP requests within bull.com. Uh, you can imagine if you have thousands of services and you might want to add something horizontal like distributed tracing, every service has to propagate headers. So you either have to go to every team and say, hey, would you please propagate these headers and have them manually write code? But what we can also do is have a centralized location, which will be Torque, that exposes a function, give me a new HTTP client, and then this basically gives us an opportunity to hook into this client before the teams actually have it available to them. So this is also exactly what we do, for example. And we add this tracing capability to this client and also default timeouts, uh, default resiliency patterns, pretty much, so that they have a good opinionated default client for them to use. And the same thing applies to the logging. You can, if you want to log within Bull.com, set up a, a new logging um, object and have it configured automatically uh, by us, where we say, hey, you should automatically add these fields like which team you are, which service name you have, and have it properly sent to the logging system of Bull.com. But all you can do it yourself. But if you use Torque, it's, it's one line of code, and you can then see all the plumbing that we have done internally, which isn't too much either, but this basically makes your service uh, easier to grasp because you don't have to do all these horizontal things. Yeah, yeah. so at, uh, at Adavinta, what I see there is how they solved it is uh, we'll use a monorepo, which is uh, another way of doing it. Um, uh, but of course, uh, they, they have some shared, shared libraries for for setting up uh, setting up a service. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a, uh, a a platform team that constantly looks at, at services and, and upgrades them where necessary uh, to um, to make sure that they contain the, the, the right things. So it's actually a, a pretty intricate setup for, for some services. Um, but things like uh, there's there's a library for, for setting up a service to, to make sure that it has a health check um uh, that that's uh, that, that properly is uh, is pinged now and then yeah. um yeah and th those things yeah it, it is I, th I would say it would be stupid if you don't share this between services uh but on the other hand they they shouldn't be blocking you from building a new service as well no uh, so it's uh, you can uh make the choice uh, and, and say okay this is a, a snowflake uh, service it's never a snowflake service but uh <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Uh, and 
uh, and do something else. But uh, yeah, well, it's it's doable. Yeah. So I think that the uh, yeah, it's it's well, I wouldn't even say it's really uh, a a, a um, thousands of of really small services, but it's uh, more of a. As somebody told me, it's uh, we try to be a sort of a, a macro service architecture. So it's uh, a larger services. Um, uh, that that are sort of split by domain, but it's not. Uh, so some domains have more services, so it's not uh, no, um, no no domain driven design uh, uh, perfect split here. But uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting approach, I would say. And this is yeah. the Alfinta example. Is that in line with with what Xabia does in in general, uh, Patrick? Well, it it depends. I don't think the Adavinta example is kind of generally what we do. Uh, I can give you an example of what I've seen in a previous project I did. Um, just to set the stage, colleagues of mine uh, created this platform and it was Greenfield uh, and it did go on the back end. Um, because of the benefits of event sourcing as well as event-driven architecture, they chose that um, and they still needed to have HTTP endpoints to do a lot of stuff. Um, it was actually quite similar to Bull.com. It was a platform where you had sellers on the one hand uh, and buyers on the other, um, but it was uh, specifically for health products, so a wheelchair and uh, an adjustable bed, uh, and the platform would make sure that we would ask the question so that your insurance would cover it, basically. Um, what they saw is that when writing a lot of the HTTP services, uh, as well as a lot of the event sourcing stuff, um, a lot of stuff could be generalized, so they were writing the same code over and over, I mean, plumbing is, is one point, uh, but they saw that they could generalize it. So what they've done, and I think it's, yeah, it is an open source library, it's called Golang Annotations, um, is they created this piece of code generation by means of an annotation. For example, if we have an, an HTTP handler, uh, you could say, this is my endpoint. Uh, I expect this method. Uh, this is my input. This is even my output. And it generates, for example, the HTTP handler for you. Uh, they did the same with the event sourcing and event handlers, um, just nice. because we used a lot of interfaces, for example, and it would add the new methods on the right spot. Uh, and then as an engineer, you would only have to implement missing things uh, that the framework didn't generate for you. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if we needed to build a new HTTP endpoint, you would start with an annotation that said, all right, generate this piece of code for me. Uh, mm -hmm. A benefit of that would also be it would create your test handlers. Uh, so you could work very test driven. You could basically spin up the event handler uh, as well and make your assumptions on a test and then actually implement your business logic. Um, I think that, first of all, it's very cool to use. Um, they made it pretty generic. Uh, and because it is a library that we used, we could still specify whenever we needed, uh, which wasn't that often. Uh, but it gave us a lot of speed because we could spin up the things that were uh, kind of more boring to do, I guess, or repetitive, and we could actually fixate uh, yeah, on the business logic. Yeah, there's not, not only one way, right? There's not only the framework way. You can also generate yeah. code and do other things. So one other thing that we do uh, in Bolt.com is we do cookie cutters, where we... Uh, not only the go code sometimes needs bootstrapping, but sometimes also some of the infra code, right? So all the plumbing to get your service talking or to get your, I don't know, uh, cloud resources going and so forth. So for that, we, we do cookie cutter type code generation 
cookie cutter is an open source Python project that you can sort of templatize all directory structure and, and all the code in it. And uh, that also helps and speeds up quite a lot. Yeah, because I think in the end, if you want to introduce code to your organization or want to make the move, um, this is a big momentum creator, right? We've, we've seen a lot of momentum increase after we've started to introduce Torque and then these other things you know, to speed up things. Then you, then you see the busy people also considering Go because, yeah, before they wanted to do Go, but it was really just so much time and they didn't have the time to do And now, yeah, they just take the cookie cutter and they take the, the Torque framework and off you go. Yeah. But they, yeah, they still I, seem like like things that are developed in companies that are starting with Go or using Go for a few years and then discovering that yeah you need some additional stuff at some point in time. Is it, how is the market for that developing? Because you would also then expect that at some point in time, uh, yeah, someone would do this for like a lot of companies or something. Then there would be like a framework, but yeah. And I also taste that, that that there's like an uh, yeah a not liking frameworks in, in in the Go community. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to address that. Yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting if you look at the Go community. The moment you call something a framework, fifty percent of the people will get shivers. So I think this comes from the fact that when Go has been designed as a language and then the standard library, they focused on having basically everything that you need in the standard library. So you have a web server, you have fast and efficient JSON encoding and decoding, you have everything, quote unquote, that you need to actually run something on a production scale. And this is proven if you look at Google and the way they write their services. They also focus a lot on the standard library and just using that. However, you obviously have people that appreciate more code generation, so it's possible. But this is, I guess, an opinion that's not equally shared everywhere. Some projects do a lot of code generation, and some projects write the code themselves, even though it's boring, because they either did not like generation or they prefer to not have it. Having a framework decide everything for you or the big lines, I think that's where what the Go engineers don't like, mm -hmm. because they chose Go for certain features like fast compilation, fast uh, being able to test everything quickly, and also being able to know full what's control. happening. Full control. So the moment you start with a framework has a lot of value and a lot of benefits, but you definitely go against these initial ideas why you chose Go. So I guess sometimes there's some friction in between those. Um, yeah, I guess the definition of framework is also not binary. So there's a very large spectrum. Um, yeah. you currently, there are multiple web server frameworks like Jin and, and others that make it easier to basically make your web server manageable and maintainable at scale, but there's no reason to use it if you don't want to. That's yeah. not a full-fledged framework. There are sort of, I guess, all, uh, companies, a lot of companies open source also there. If we take Torque and we open source that. Uh, so for Airbnb, for instance, uh, have, a, have a Go, couple of Go frameworks and actually a lot of Go libraries that they, that they have put out there. There's also uh, GoKit, which I, I can't remember the history of that one. But even that one isn't your, your what you would normally expect from a Spring framework, perhaps, because I don't, as far as I remember, it doesn't include uh, dependency in, in version, uh, uh, you know, automation. So you don't have an annotation that then injects code for you. Uh, the author is very explicit about, you know, 
you should have wire all, all things manually in your in your um, startup code in your endpoint code. Um, so even there, you could see uh, it's geared towards less opinionated, perhaps, and more control to the user. Yeah. I have an interesting anecdote, I guess, from Kevin and my team about this, and also to hook into Peter Paul's question, which we use one pretty big framework in, in all our services, and that's FX, which is uh, Uber's uh, Go dependency injection and version of control framework. Uh, and it's actually one of the things that makes our services more complex than they have to be, and we think about removing it sometimes. <laughs> so it's like one of the only frameworks we use, we want to remove it, and it's also honest team, for example, doesn't do it. They wire uh, manually, and that, that looks simpler. Yeah, actually, in the in the previous guy team that I was in, we, we added it at some point to experiment, and then yeah. one of the guys just got fed up and <laughs> removed it again. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so also from a... Again, the, the hiring perspective or onboarding perspective. Uh, if you have lots of custom code, especially when you generate code, I'm not saying that it's a bad uh, has been a bad choice, uh, Patrick. But uh, uh, I wasn't involved, and uh, I sure have my thoughts about it. <laughs> but um, I would say that uh, it, it's again uh, maybe expected when when people on board that uh, Go code is again idiomatic and uh, is uh, only uses uh, well the, the libraries that everybody knows, like uh, Gorillas or or Mux or something. Uh, and uh, and and only for some edge cases that you have some uh, some some uh, let's say niche dependencies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, dependency injection. It's an interesting uh, interesting discussion. Um, I I would say I I probably are not missing it. Uh, I'm probably not missing it. However, yeah, it's sometimes it would have been easy. Uh, maybe easier if you have some complex uh, setting up to do. But on the other hand, most of the time you just think about the solution and then if you have the solution then you don't have to rewire everything every time. So yeah, uh, do we really need it? <laughs> I think uh, you touched a good point. It's it's easy over simple. And with GoCo, we generally try to prefer simple. So yeah. Yeah. might take a lot of lines of code, but you see what's happening. It's simple. It might not be easy because you have to think left and right a bit, but it is simple and it will be simple when you look at it again. Yeah, yeah, because most people tend to forget why why something ended up a certain way. And they, uh, especially I've seen code bases where dependency injection was so misused in, any, in, in many ways with all kinds of life cycles added to fix some kind of uh, weird issue that happened during startup. And yeah, please, yeah. Um, well, Untangle, untangle it. Why aren't you untangling it? Uh, and and uh, uh, the answer often is, yeah, it's there. So we're we're not we're scared not supposed to, to remove it. Yeah, we're not supposed yeah, to remove it, or we're scared to touch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it makes writing your services a lot easier. But you will read it like a hundred times more often than you write it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's often when I'm trying to read code or debug something in our services with effects. It's like eighty percent of the time spent is trying to figure out where our dependency comes from. Yeah. Which would be way easier if you can just click through, right? Yeah, yeah. So it it is well, absolutely necessary to to have some way of uh, of, of showing a dependency graph in in so, so uh, in these cases. Um, yeah, the, the uh, sometimes uh, when I'm profiling, I'm already I already think why isn't there a better profiling integration for Golang uh, in uh, in in the IDE? 
and that I'm working with uh, some uh, visualization software to, uh, to to see where a bottleneck is. Um, but yeah, I think that that might might be um, the, the biggest downside of Go. Maybe maybe we can discuss this. <laughs> uh, that uh, because the ecosystem is so different from all the other ecosystems, so. Well, it has a it has a Linux philosophy, right? Uh, small parts, every part should do one thing and one thing good. Uh, but but it's built on top of yeah um, uh, uh, a completely different stack than than other tools. So when I'm really low level debugging, I can't really use the the low level uh, profiling tools and debugging tools. I have to use the profiler from Go. And I have to use all the, the those low-level tools that, uh, that that the Go team provides me. Um, yeah, and sometimes it would have been easier if we just would have well a let's say more generic uh, a memory management profiler or so. Um, yeah, well, I think you can manage, but it's 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 one of the hardest parts. I think if you really get to, to the nitty-gritty details of Go, there are some. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some edge cases that you only will figure out when you are really deeply already deeply invested, and then you would have hoped that it would have been better. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, yeah. To add to, to sure. what Go said, that the, the, yeah. you, you said um, you talked about the readability uh, of, of of Go is is it, it's way simpler. So I, I was thinking about that, and another episode we had on readability of code or reading code. And uh, the, the the why you should do that more often. So, thinking out loud, did we have some some proof already that indeed maintainability is easier with Go? Did we already investigate that? And do we really see uh, we go faster on maintaining uh, code that is written in Go instead of of Java? That would be really interesting, I think, to find out. We were now talking a lot also in this episode about setting it up, Greenfield stuff, yeah. uh, why you should choose it. But in the long run, uh, this is really the proof if it is the case. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Actually, not, I, I, can't, I don't have any stats or figures or pretty graphs for, for, for that particular one. But the, the one that I definitely find often is the, uh, is the maintainability in terms of uh, dependencies. And uh, yeah, maybe I also don't have graphs there, but I think if you if you do just a, a survey, perhaps in Ball, you would find the, the the Java services. You need a lot more attention and time on upgrading uh, libraries and uh, and these kind of things, and then the Go services because we we have sort of the value of oh, don't include it if you don't really need it. And uh, <laughs> at least in the last while. Uh, when a couple of the Java security issues came out, uh, the log4j one being the first one, it, and it's, yeah. it's almost as if it started a series of them. And and it's every one of those uh, in the team, we were like, oh, yeah, we're writing Go stuff. Oh, no, no problem. And then <laughs> yeah, go everyone, on. <laughs> everyone, everyone else would scramble around trying to upgrade dependencies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at least there, for me, it's much more maintainable. Because Go has the benefit of time, right? So the fact that Go is only 11 years old and that it hasn't had or had all these growing pains years back when we had to figure out how to even do dependency management. I think you can, we are standing on the shoulders of giants and we, we did learn the things that worked and didn't work. But to answer the question, Peter, I think it's difficult to compare maintainability and the, the problems that you might have in Java if you would 
multiplied it over five years. Yeah, so, then you should you should build exactly the same service in Go yeah, and in Java I'll, and then do the maintain, yeah, maintenance. Mm, yeah. But, but should you even write the same thing? So I think feature-wise you're writing the same thing, but there are so many intricate language details that functionally you might even do something different or that some dependencies might not even be there, so you wouldn't have dependency struggles. Um, what I can say about readability is that I do happen to... Like a steel code, right? It's better to steal something than to think of it yourself if it's already written. Because I look into Hannes's uh, code repositories from his team and Mirage, I think, monthly, at least once, to look at how did they do it. And I'm able to do this in like uh, 15 to half an hour and just read their code, understand it, look what I need, and, and take it over. And also share code. That does really help. Also with Google libraries that we have, dependencies. We have pops up and they're like, right, why does this work? You go into the dependency and you, you read the code because there's no, there's no obfuscation. There's no, it, it, like, there's no 20 interfaces, just I did pops up subscribe. I can go to this function and read what Google is doing. Mm -hmm. Google engineers aren't being smarty with their code that they wrote for these libraries because they couldn't, right? They, they could only do the simple go thing. Uh, there might yeah. be some Java patterns because Google is, of course, a very large Java organization, but you quickly grasp it once you read it. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, I actually never really leave my IDE while I'm writing Go because all the documentation of libraries like those PubSub libraries are, is just in the code that you can click through. Yeah. Yeah, but then you go to the dependencies, right? So when yeah, exactly. you go to the Google Docs, you're still in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't read it from the Google Cloud Docs website. I just read it from the code because you can okay. go. Okay. Yeah. Hey, nice. Hey, yeah. <laughs> To, to apologize, we have to have a look at the time, so uh, yeah. we have to wrap it up. Uh, Peter Paul, do you have important questions left for uh, for this group? I no, I feel that that uh, that with, with this group we can talk for hours on this uh, topic. So just giving them again one question. Yeah, that, <laughs> so trigger. we're giving yeah. them our uh, our closing uh, question that we always uh, uh, give our our guests, and that's basically uh, yeah. What's your most important uh, takeaway, or why should other engineers also consider using Go? Uh, Kevin, what about your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, just if you want to go out of the equation, if you've been writing in a language for five years and you see a new language, it never hurts to learn it because it makes you a stronger engineer overall and you get to learn different patterns which might change the way you write code in Java. If there's no dependency injection in Go, you're forced to do it by hand. Well, you can do the same thing in Java. You're not forced to use what you've been doing for five years. So I think it's good for your growth overall. Okay. A few, Patrick, what would it be? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, add, I'd add on top of what Kevin said. I mean, if you do a new language, right, write a new language, whether it be Go or a different one, um, you're going to figure out two things. Either you're going to like the language that you wrote you're going to appreciate what you have in the previous language that you're doing yeah. right so both those sides is going to give you a, a small takeaway so i think that's that in and of itself is very beneficial awesome and for you ghost your app starts in zero seconds instead of uh, however long your java service takes to start up <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome <laughs> hey albert for you what would it be um yeah i think um for some people, it can be daunting to learn a new language or have the idea that it's, uh, that, it's that it will take a lot of time. Uh, but I, I had even had this question uh, from uh, from one of my from one of my colleagues, like, how long does it take? Three months, four months before you can be proficient GoLang or expert GoLang? 
but I think it, it even ta more takes weeks. So in a day, you can have your first services already running. Uh, and in a couple of weeks, you probably have had all the concepts of the entire language. So really, Golang is so easy to learn because it's so uh, uh, uncomplicated. Uh, just try it out if you haven't tried it yet. Awesome. And for you, Hannes? Yeah, I think maybe I should uh, bring the balance to just say it's not it's not about flame wars and and the tool, right? Because uh, I'm also a passionate uh, Rust developer, for instance, and, and so forth. And for me, uh, why why look at Go and why choose Go? Because if, if you've always just done done Java, you should look at Go because I think uh, you should look at your requirements for your system that you're building. Some is uh, well suited for the JVM. But uh, a lot of your service might be well suited for Go, actually, it's, uh, depending on what you do. And why choose the default just because uh, it's the default. So, uh, yeah, look at it from that perspective, perhaps also. The right tool for the job. Awesome. But that's exactly what I, what I take from, from this talk with you guys, that it's, it's, it's good to, to know this tool. So you extend your toolkit and, and know what to choose uh, for, for, what, uh, for what topic. And um, yeah, simplicity, that's what I get from it and, uh, and all the other uh, the items that you, that you shared. So thanks. And uh, yeah, Peter Palmer. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for sharing all of this. Yeah. And I also, yeah, thank you for sharing this. And uh, we're really happy that you shared this with us, uh, shared this with us, with all the enthusiasm and passion that uh, truly radiates uh, through it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us. Okay. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Hey everyone. Welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers.